Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Christmas season is upon us, and most of us are getting in the spirit. Why, Christmas is, a, is about a lot more than just getting presents and going to parties. Celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ is no small thing. There's a lot of ways to express the joy of Jesus' birth. But I want to tell you one that I believe best expresses the true Christmas spirit. Why don't you get yourself a cup of hot chocolate and sit down in front of the fireplace and meet Matt and his Paul? And I will try and take you back in time to the year 1881. Christmas, 1881. Paul never had much compassion for the lazy or those who squandered their means and then never had enough for the necessities of life. But for those who were genuinely in need, Paul's heart was as big as all outdoors. It was from him that I learned the greatest joy in life comes from giving and not from receiving. It was Christmas Eve, 1881. I was 15 years old and feeling like the world had caved in on me because there just hadn't been enough money to buy me the rifle that I had wanted so bad that year for Christmas. For some reason, we did the chores early that night. I just figured Paul wanted a little extra time so we could read in the Bible. So after supper was over, I took my boots off and stretched out in front of the fireplace and waited for Paul to get down the old Bible. I was still feeling sorry for myself, and to be honest, I wasn't in much of a mood to read scriptures. But Paul didn't get the Bible. Instead, he bundled up and went back outside. I couldn't figure it out because we had already done all the chores. I didn't, I didn't worry about it long, though, because I was too busy wallowing in self pity. Soon, Paul came back inside. It was a cold, clear night out, and there was ice in his beard. Come on, Matt, he said. Uh, bundle up, son, real good, because it's cold out tonight. Boy, I was really upset then. Not only was I not getting the rifle for Christmas, now Paul was dragging me out in the cold and for no earthly reason that I could see. We'd already done all the chores and I couldn't think of anything else that needed doing, especially not on a night like this. But I knew Paul was not very patient at one dragging his feet when he had told them to do something. So I got up and put my boots back on and got my cap, coat, and mittens. 
Ma gave me a mysterious smile as I opened the door to leave the house. Something was up, but I didn't know what. Outside, I became even more dismayed. There in front of the house was the work team, already hitched to the big sled. Whatever it was we were going to do wasn't going to be a short, quick little job. I can tell that. We never hitched up the big sled unless we were going to haul a big load. Paul was already up on the seat, reins in his hand, and I reluctantly climbed up beside him. The cold was already biting at me. I wasn't happy. When I was on the seat, Paul pulled the sled around the house and stopped in front of the woodshed. He got off and I followed. I think we'll put on the high side boards, he said. Here, Matt, help me. The high side boards? Uh-oh, it's going to be a bigger job than I wanted to do with just, with, with just the low side boards on. But whatever it was we were going to do would be a lot bigger with the high sideboards. And when we had got the sideboards exchanged, then Paul went into the woodshed and came out with an armload of wood, the wood that I had spent all summer hauling down from the mountain and then all fall sawing into blocks and splitting. Now, now, what was he doing? Finally, I said something. Paul, I asked, what are you doing? And Paul said, you been by the widow, widow Jensen's lately? Paul asked. The widow Jensen lived about two miles down the road. Her husband had died a year or so before and left her with three children the oldest being just eight years of age. Why, sure, I'd been by, Paul, but so what? Yeah, yeah. Well, Paul said, I rode by just today. And little Jakey was out digging around in the woodpile trying to find just a few chips. They're out of wood, Matt. That was all he said. And then he returned and went back into the woodshed for another armload of wood. And I followed him. We loaded the sled so high that I began to wonder if the horses would be able to pull it. Finally, Paul called a halt to our, a halt to our loading. Then we went to the smokehouse and Paul took down a big ham and a side of bacon. He handed them to me and told me to put them in the sled and to wait. When he returned, he was carrying a sack of flour over his right shoulder and a smaller sack of something in his left hand. I asked, what's in the little sack? Paul said, shoes. They're out of shoes. Little Jakey just had sacks wrapped around his feet when he was out in the woodpile this morning.
and I got the children a little candy too. It just wouldn't be Christmas without a little candy. Well, we rode the two miles to Widow Jensen's pretty much in silence. I tried to think through what Paul was doing. We didn't have much by worldly standards. Of course, we did have a big woodpile, though most of it, of what was left now, was still in the form of logs that I would have to saw into blocks and split before we could use it. We also had meat and flour, so we could spare that, but I knew we didn't have any money. So why was Paul buying them shoes and candy? Really, why was he doing any of this? Widow Jensen had closer neighbors than us. It shouldn't be our concern. We came in from the blind side of the Jensen house and unloaded the wood as quietly as possible. Then we took the meat and flour and shoes to the door and we knocked. The door opened a crack and a timid voice said, who is it? Lucas Miles, ma'am, and my son, Matt. Could we come in for a bit? And Widow Jensen opened the door and let us in. She had a blanket wrapped around her shoulders. The children were wrapped in another blanket and were sitting in front of the fireplace by a very small fire that her hardly gave off any heat at all. Widow Jensen fumbled with a match and finally lit the lamp. We brought you a few things, ma'am, Paul said, and set down the sack of flour. I put the meat on the table, and then Paul handed her the sack that had the shoes in it. She opened it hesitantly and took the shoes out one pair at a time. There was a pair for her and one for each of the children. Sturdy shoes, the best shoes that would last. I watched her carefully. She bit her lower lip to keep it from trembling. And then tears filled her eyes and started running down her cheeks. She looked up at Paul like she wanted to say something, but it just wouldn't come out. Paul said, we brought a load of wood too. And then he turned to me and said, Matt, go bring enough wood in to last for a while. Let's get that fire up to size and heat this place up. Well, I wasn't the same person when I went back out to bring in the wood. I had a big lump in my throat. And as much as I hate to admit it, there were some tears in my eyes, too. In my mind, I kept seeing those three kids huddled around the fireplace and their mother standing there with tears running down her cheeks and so much gratitude in her heart that she couldn't speak. My heart swelled within me and a joy filled my soul that I'd never known before. I had given at Christmas many times before, but never 
when it had made so much difference. I could see we were literally saving these people's lives. I soon had the fire blazing and everyone's spirit seemed to soar. The kids started giggling when Paul handed them a piece of candy and Widow Jensen looked on with a smile that probably hadn't crossed her face for a long time. She finally turned to us. God bless you, she said. I know the Lord himself has sent you. The children and I have been praying that he would send one of his children to spare us. In spite of myself, the lump returned to my throat and the tears welled up in my eyes again. I'd never thought of Paul in those terms before, but after Widow Jensen mentioned it, I could see that it was, it was probably true. I was sure that a better man than Paul had never walked the earth. Well, maybe except one. I started remembering all the times he had gone out of his way for Ma and me and, and many others. The list seemed endless as I thought on it. Paul insisted that everyone try on the shoes before we left. I was amazed when they, they all fit, and I wondered how, how he had known what sizes to get. Then I guessed that if he was on an errand from the Lord, that the Lord would make sure he got the right sizes. Tears were running down Widow Jensen's face again when we stood up to leave. And Paul took each of the kids in his big arms and gave them a big hug. They clung to him and didn't want us to go. I could see that they missed their Paul and I was glad that I still had mine. At the door, Paul turned to Widow Jensen and said, the missus wanted me to invite you and the children over for Christmas dinner tomorrow. The turkey will be more than the three of us can eat, and a man can get pretty cantankerous if he has to eat turkey for too many meals. We'll be... We'll be by to get you at about 11 o'clock. It'll be nice to have some little ones around again. Matt here, he hadn't been little for quite a spell. I, Matt uh, said I, I was the youngest. My two older brothers and two older sisters were all married and they'd all moved away. Widow Jensen nodded and said, thank you, Brother Miles. I don't have to say may the Lord bless you because I know for certain that he will. Out on the sled, I felt a warmth that came from deep within, and I didn't even notice the cold. When we had gone a mile or so, Paul turned to me and said, Matt, I want you to know something. Your ma and me have been tucking a little money away here and there all year so we could buy that rifle for you, but we didn't quite have enough. Then yesterday, a man who owed me a little money from, from years back came by to make things square. Your ma and me were so excited, thinking that now we could get you that rifle. 
and I started into town this morning to do just that. But on the way, I saw little Jakey out scratching in the woodpile with his feet wrapped in uh, those sacks, and I knew what I had to do. So, son, I spent the money for shoes and a little candy for those children. I hope you understand. Well, I understood. And my eyes became wet with tears again. And I understood very well. And I was so glad Paul had done it. Just then the rifle seemed very low on my list of priorities. Paul had given me a lot more. He had given me the look on Widow Jensen's face and the radiant smiles of her three children. For the rest of my life, whenever I saw any of the Jensen's or split a block of wood, I remembered. And remembering brought back that same joy I felt riding home beside Paul that night. Paul had given me much more than a rifle. He had given me the best Christmas of my life. Ladies and gentlemen, the author of this is unknown. Merry Christmas and good day.